From legendary locals we all know to people you should get to know. Follow Ipswich Today on your favourite app and never miss an episode. Or go to ipswichtoday.com.au Coming up, should mobile phones for students be banned in schools? Studies have shown dependency on phones is alarming in terms of well-being, anxiety and social skills of young people. University of Southern Queensland education expert Dr Tanya Leach discusses the changing landscape on why or why students shouldn't have phones at school. It's Thursday, April 13, 2023, and I'm Alan Roebuck. Welcome to Ipswich Today, which acknowledges the traditional custodians of the land on which it is produced and pays respects to elders past, present and emerging. This podcast is supported by Kinetics, people-powered web hosting trusted by Australian businesses since 1999. Mobile phones will be banned in New South Wales public schools from Term 4 this year, while in Queensland each school takes its own approach, like locking away phones during school hours. So what are the pros and cons here? University of Southern Queensland education expert Dr Tanya Leach joins the show. Thank you for speaking with Ipswich today, Tanya. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Let's rewind the clock a few years to when mobile phones were just used for, funny enough, phone calls and then followed texts. At what point did schools begin to allow students to have phones with them at school? Look, this is a really uh, interesting flashback, I guess. When we think about phones and, gee, I remember I was a school principal at the time when this was emerging back in the early uh, 2000s, really. We had flip phones, but we didn't have the capacity to video uh, or to text message in the way that we do now. So we saw phones starting to come into schools without any policy or or um, any rules around them, but schools naturally restricted the use of them at that time and would get phones either handed into the office or, um, you know, they had to be put away into the into school bags. So it wasn't really a huge issue when it was mainly for phone usage. It's become an increasing issue when the applications associated with phones has increased. Why do you think principals caved in to allow phones? So when that first emerged, and again, I was um, a head of school at this time, mm-hmm. and I remember being, you know, a huge uh, debate around, well, they can aid learning. You know, we didn't have one-to-one laptops at that time, so we had standalone computers in schools. And so all of a sudden, we had these little devices that could have access to uh, internet in some form, and uh, and so then could be used to access information. So there was a, a movement to say, well, let's use these as learning tools and start to build in, I guess, student self-efficacy and self-regulation in using them in an appropriate way. I get that new technology eventually works its way into schools and I don't want to sound like an old person here, but (laughs) when the first electronic calculators were released, we were not allowed to use them in class, let alone during an exam. Can we compare the smartphone to a calculator in terms of a must-have in class? I think that's a really interesting – it makes me smile because I remember that time too. 
when new technology emerges, and look, we can even relate it to chat GPT now, mm. everybody pauses and says, okay, so what does this mean for learning? What does this mean for education? And what does this mean for the role of schools and any sort of education institutes? So when we think about the calculator, and I was a maths teacher, so <laughs> I remember saying, oh, but this can really enhance you know, the use and efficiency of how students were able to do a variety of maths problems. But at the same time, there was an argument that perhaps students would lose the ability to apply mental computation strategies or to see whether what they were plugging into the calculator at that time was accurate. So when we look at that with phones, the same thing. Students can now access a whole range of information if we say phones are used for learning, which now I would say that's superseded by laptops or uh, tablets. But let's say they still used it to access information. We still have to teach our kids to be critically literate because not all the information they're getting is accurate or it might also be a biased view. So there is still that same sort of argument that there's underpinning skills we need to teach. Tanya, you've mentioned twice now in our chat that students have laptops, and I presume now that that's every student in almost every school. So is there any conceivable reason a student would actually need a phone at school? Uh, So... In some cases, uh, teachers will say, well, they can be used uh, to, I guess, scan things like QR code type quick learning, those sorts of things. But the argument is diminishing uh, because of the way that phones are used and the way that tablets and uh, laptops are used. So in schools, they can often have firewalls uh, which protect the type of content students can access Uh, through the internet uh, in their tablets and one-to-one laptops, but the schools don't have the same ability to do that with phones because obviously phones are on individual plans and may not be accessing the school uh, internet. So there's a couple of different concerns now with phones that we've seen emerge uh, in schools Uh, both in Australia and uh, globally, actually, which is why some states are choosing to do uh, or implement total bans. Have there been any studies done to show the good or harm that's created by students having a phone with them at all times? Yes, there have been. Now, these I do have to say every piece of research that we look at uh, has limitations, okay? So these there's some uh, studies that's come out of Turkey, America, and even Australia, but they are small-scale studies. And what they show, the negative impacts of increased phone use or dependency on phones is quite actually alarming in terms of students' well-being, anxiety, uh, and social skills. So studies have also been done if we reduce time on phones by even as little as 20 minutes in a school day, and these are studies done in schools, that students start to learn to socialise, have a wider friendship group, and therefore when they have to solve what we think uh, in our era or our vintage uh, were simple social problems, uh, they actually learn to do that because our kids are not solving the day-to-day interactive problems in the way that we did. So there are huge um, implications, I guess, and for our mental health of our young people and for their coping mechanisms. Uh, some examples of this for uh, 
the way that phones are used to communicate without pausing to reflect. And so we've seen increased bullying. As we know, there's a lot of movements and a, a lot of students and children who have unfortunately chosen to take their lives because of uh, phone bullying and they don't get a break. So it's constant throughout the school day and outside of school hours as well. We've seen fights organised. So students getting angry, texting and organising fights to occur outside of school and inside of schools and video it. And it creates this culture of um, aggression, which we didn't see as much when uh, we didn't have mobile phone usage that could video and do these, these types of uh, things. I would add to that, travelling uh, to and from school, uh, the mobile phone opens students up to being robbed, uh, possible yes. violence, and as you say, organising these fights specifically mm. so they can be put on the internet. Yes, yeah, so there's a, I mean, and we have to say that there is a small uh, percentage of students that do do that, but it's certainly when we pair it with youth crime uh, that we're seeing in that conversation that's happening, a lot of it is organised and promoted or you know, even celebrated, dare I say that word, by uh, youth through social media. So when we can reduce the use and try to get students to, to see, or kids to see really, uh, the benefits of not being behind a phone, uh, then we can start to build increased uh, self-efficacy. We can start to build students who are confident and try to decrease uh, this aggressive behaviour, which is what one of the studies in Australia found, uh, that if they did use their phone during school, they were more likely to be aggressive. Do we know how common theft is of phones among students? We don't have um, definitive numbers on that, but what we do have is some emerging research that shows that other people, so children or students or adolescents, whatever term you'd like to use, that uh, have low self-confidence, other students will approach them to use their phone and then the other student will use their phone and send inappropriate texts or message to other students uh, almost behind an alias wall uh, and then another student uh, can then be blamed for that. So we haven't seen theft but we've seen inappropriate and incorrect use. Coming back to the New South Wales bans, does that apply right up to year 12, do you know? I believe it does. And um, so what we've seen in and across other states that have also implemented bans is what they've done is they've taken a holistic approach to it. What that does is it alleviates the pressure of individual schools to have to uh, implement individualised strategies or school-based policies. Now, in most cases when schools do that, they do it in consultation with their PNC, their parents and community uh, organisations or school boards, and they have support for it. Sometimes, however, it is a divisive decision and some parents or students don't agree with it and it can cause uh, angst and it can also cause an ongoing need to monitor uh, and police, in a way, uh, the use of phones, which can actually take away from the focus of what the school's um, purpose is, which is learning. And, uh, and so if each school has to do this, and we have thousands of schools and thousands of principals and communities, uh, and if we take a blanket approach that kids need a break uh, from their phones and learning is the 
purpose of education uh, and schools, you know, during during the day, then that will make it a lot easier for many um, schools. Having listened to what you've said so far, Tanya, I think I know what you're going to say to this next question, but what should <laughs> Queensland State Schools be doing? Look, uh, when I consider all the people that I know who are uh, school principals, who are school teachers, who uh, really, you know, have come into a, a profession to have a positive impact on student learning, on a daily basis, they have to also manage increasing complexity in the school and classroom. And the phone is another um, addition, additional, I guess, uh, part of that story. And so um, for me, my personal opinion is that I believe we should have a statewide policy that could be contextualised in some parts. So there's scope if you're, you know, on a uh, camp or you're on an excursion and, and that use, you know, mobile phone use is appropriate for learning, you know, it could be applied. But to help and support our schools to make decisions where uh, their community then supports them. We haven't talked about private schools yet. Is there any data to show what uh, the private sector is doing? Well, most schools are doing very similar things. Most schools are limiting, in Queensland, are limiting the use of mobile phones. They have pockets, you know, that the kids have to lock their phones in. But kids are savvy. We know they cut the bottom out of them and put Velcro in. Um, also, we've got AirPods now that go into your ears. So if you activate that before putting your phone in a pocket, you can still use all the internet and listen to music, etc., during the school day. Um, we have people, well, policies, phone policies. Most schools have to sign them now for high school and they're put away in lockers. But the problem is that because there's not a whole state story being told about the use of mobile phones, uh, some uh, students, some uh, schools, private and public, don't take it seriously. And so they're breaking it all the time. Have you done any studies among senior educators about their attitudes to phones in schools? I haven't personally, and I haven't found anything uh, within the scope of... um, the research that's out there about use. It tends to focus more on uh, the benefits uh, and uh, cons, I guess, of phones related to learning and that social emotional wellbeing. When I was a principal again, uh, uh, and this was back in the early 2000s, um, 2010-ish type era, there was a divided uh, opinion. Some people thought it wouldn't cause an issue. And, um, and other people thought, well, let's just see how it goes and schools can manage it uh, themselves. So the answer is no, I'm not aware. But what I believe from the ground that's happening is schools would welcome a policy. And finally, what would be your advice to parents of teenagers? Well, I am a parent of four (laughs) children and I have teenagers uh, and it was very different. So my eldest is in their 20s now and I still have a 13-year-old. And my eldest, the phone wasn't a huge issue until they were around 14, 15. Um, But for my youngest, uh, he kept saying, I need a phone, I need a phone. And we as parents and all parents obviously will uh, implement their own strategies, but we have strict rules uh, and boundaries around usage. And we also use our telephone companies to put bans on particular apps that can be used at certain times. So I would say they are a tool. They're not going away. 
we as parents and schools do need to teach our, this next generation to self-regulate, to use phones in an appropriate way, and even as adults, sometimes we need to self-regulate our mobile phone use. Uh, and we need to focus on what's really important, effective communication, timely communication and social skilling. Dr Tanya Leach, education expert with the University of Southern Queensland, thanks so much for speaking with Ipswich today. My pleasure. Ipswich Today is supported by Kinetics, people-powered web hosting trusted by Australian businesses since 1999. This podcast is also listener-supported. Please make a once-only gift or regular donation to help keep it online. Just go to ipswichtoday.com.au and click the Donate button on the homepage to make a payment through PayPal. Follow and stream this podcast from your favourite app, including iHeartRadio and Amazon Music. Or play Ipswich today on smart speakers. Music is supplied by Purple Planet Music. This is Alan Roebuck. Thank you for listening. Enjoying Ipswich today? Please share the love on your socials.